Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. Well, after holding Peru to a nil-all draw in the opening match of the World Cup tie in Wellington, the New Zealand men's football team fell just short in the second leg in Lima on Thursday. Peru proved they were just too good for the All-Whites, winning the match 2-0 to claim the final spot in next year's World Cup in Russia. Former All-Whites captain Danny Hay told me the world number 10 side looked the far stronger of the two teams in Lima, and deservedly won the match. I think the Peruvians showed their quality yesterday. I think the the crowd, the whole atmosphere, they just showed that they're a, a truly football-mad, passionate country about the game. So, um, look, the game in itself, you know, the All-Whites can walk walk off with their uh, with their heads held high. You know, the fact that they, they kept it as tight as they did over the course of two legs, I think, is phenomenal, given what they're up against. And... Uh, you know, there's a there's a reason that no senior New Zealand men's side has ever beaten South American opposition because they're, they're very, very good. Um, that's just a simple fact of it. But I thought Anthony Hudson, in terms of the tactics, the way he set the team up over the course of the two legs, um, the way the players actually stuck to the game plan, I thought phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it was like I said, it was always going to be a tough one, but they're, uh, they can be proud of their efforts. You talk tactics there. Um, I know that uh, Chris Wood was under a bit of an injury cloud uh, going in, into the match, um, and he came on in the second half. He seemed to really lift in that. You know, the, the team seemed to really lift in that second half. From from your view, uh, would would you have done anything differently to how uh, Anthony Hudson did it? Would you have possibly played Chris Wood in the in the first half, or were you happy with how he uh, how he approached it? Oh, look, you're probably from a coach's perspective, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. He uh, you start him. He, he pulls up lame after 20 minutes, and then you're, you're missing him. Uh, look, I can see the I can see the approach that Anthony took, and I, and I think it was you know probably the right one in terms of can we negotiate, navigate our way through the first sort of 30 minutes, first half, and then and then if we've done that, then we're getting our one of our key players on to try and win us the game in the in the second half. So you can totally understand why he's why his thinking was what it was. Um, and obviously, we we got through the first 25, but to concede, you know, as we did from a set piece um, on about that 30 minute mark, uh, I know Anthony and the players will be hugely disappointed with that because that's an area of the game that they do pride themselves on. Looking at the future of uh, of the All Whites, the next four years cycle, we, I mean, this this group we've got, do you see them carrying on for the next four years? Do you see any new blood coming through? Obviously, you work with the under 17s. What, what sort of have we got coming up? Do you think is is this the team for the future? Well, look, I think the the thing that Anthony's done over his tenure, and it's been it's been absolutely brilliant to see, is he's blooded in a lot of young players, um, and hasn't been afraid to do that. So there's a, you know, you you look at the squad that's obviously just been been a part of these two games, and there he brought in some experienced heads, and so obviously the likes of your Rory Fallons, uh, maybe even Shane Smouts, your Brockies, they're they're probably not going to be there or thereabouts uh, over the next four years. 
But I think, that, like I said, the sheer fact that Anthony's blooded so many, there's a lot of young players who've already had a taste of um, what it is to play for the All Whites, already had that experience. So it's just going to be a matter of obviously getting getting some good quality games, um, even though we spoke about how difficult that is to do, but getting those to, those boys playing together uh, on a regular basis and obviously gearing up for, uh, for another shot at it in four years' time. Former All Whites captain Denny Hay. The Toro Rosso Formula One team have confirmed New Zealand driver Brendan Hartley has received a full-time contract for next season. Hartley becomes New Zealand's first full-time Formula One driver since Chris Amon in 1976. The World Endurance Champion has enjoyed a reunion with Red Bull's F1 programme after being dropped from its academy system in 2010. Hartley is in Bahrain for the final round of the World Endurance Championship this weekend, with the final round of the Formula One season in Abu Dhabi next weekend. New Zealand motorsport figurehead Bob McMurray told me the news didn't come as much of a surprise. Red Bull and in their junior team Toro Rosso didn't have many options um, for a driver for next year. They have a, a new chassis, they have a new, a new engine in Honda, um, they have a new young driver. So they need somebody that can develop a car and um, is aware of developing a car and how to do it and gives good feedback and all that sort of thing and knows what he's talking about um, to partner the young driver. So uh, with the best fill in the world, I don't think Brendan Hartley is going to win the world championship, but he could be an incredibly useful tool to both Red Bull and Toro Rosso in uh, helping develop that car and, and engine. So um, it doesn't come as a great surprise, uh, but it is a very pleasant surprise in a, in a, in a minor way, but an incredibly, um, incredibly great thing for him and, um, I suppose, vicariously for motorsport in New Zealand. Yeah, could you just um, sort of give an indication of where you think this ranks in, in sort of motorsport, uh, in New Zealand motorsport history, having another driver sort of confirmed to be competing in the Formula One full-time next year? Um, well, in the history of Formula One in New Zealand, he's got Brendan's got an awful long way to go um, to compete with the likes of Denny Hulm and uh, Bruce McLaren and Chris Amon, obviously, because they're existing. Uh, they they were permanent Formula One drivers, one of which was a world champion. Um, so he's got quite a long way to go there. But don't forget, Brendan Hartley comes to um, Toro Rosso the Toro Rosso team as a double world champion in world endurance. Um, racing and a Le Mans winner. He's he's achieved more in those respects than the other drivers I mentioned, although I know Chris and um, and Bruce won Le Mans, um, but they didn't become world champions either. So in his own way, he's exceeded those expectations or those uh, achievements. Um, but in in the, the same way, he's only done three, four, or three races, it will be four, in Formula One, so he has quite a long way to go in Formula One, but I don't think that's his uh, his major, um, shall we say, objective to exceed them. He needs to just concentrate on driving and doing it properly next year. Yeah, so that was sort of my next question: was what you think his main objective will be? So you think it's I'm I'm, I'm guessing just uh, try and get some consistency in the car and, and get some good starts or, uh, in, in Formula One. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's essentially it. He's got to get experience in Formula One. Um, he's got to get experience in that car and start translating, which apparently he's done incredibly well so far. 
um, feedback to the teams and uh, what the car is doing and and how it's performing. So he's exceeded, not exceeded, he has met their expectations in that way, in that he's um, he's done the job that they wanted him to do. Bob McMurray there. Sticking with motorsport and New Zealand's Hayden Patton has accepted it is likely he won't do a full World Rally Championship season next year, but still believes it isn't a sure thing. 2017 has been a horror year for Padden with numerous issues at the start of the season, culminating in him being dropped by his Hyundai team for the Rally of Spain last month. Hyundai has four drivers contracted for 2018, but will only have three cars completing the entire calendar. The Geraldine driver knows he may have to miss some events, but told RNZ's Clay Wilson that nothing is set in stone. We've obviously got four drivers contracted next year and then three cars, so um, for sure something's going to have to give. Um, you know, maybe we have to be accepting to the fact that we're not going to be doing all the rallies next year, but, you know, things can change so quickly. Um, you know, maybe we have a good season, some others have a bad season, and as we've seen this year, things seem to change uh, quite quickly in this team. So, yeah, I think um, we can't read into things too much, and as I say, if we can just focus on getting things back on track ourselves and back to where I know we can be, um, then, you know, we should be able to fight on all rallies. And have you had a chance to think about how you would feel about sharing a third car after, you know, being full-time for the last two or three years? Oh, look, it's... Yeah. I know we haven't had the best of years. Um, uh, okay, performance-wise, uh, I think we've shown a step up this year. We've been more competitive um, when we've been on the same level as the others, but we've just been on the back foot basically since the start. Um, obviously, we're hoping at the start of the year a lot of technical difficulties, and we really haven't had much of a chance this year. So, um, I can, as I say, I can accept we haven't had any results on the board, and um, you know, professional sport can be quite cutthroat. So, yeah, I'll accept whatever the situation is, and whatever opportunities we have moving forward, we'll just make sure we make the most of each and every one. Mm. Just finally on this, I know you, there's only so much you can say and, and, um, and you know at this point, but is there any level of frustration that some of the stuff that's happened this year isn't necessarily your fault? I know there's been you know, there's been driver mistakes, but there's also been some technical things with, with the cars and that sort of thing. Yeah, of course it's frustrating. Um, you know, we, it's... From the outside, it looks quite bad, but you know, from what we've seen and in, in, on the rallies and that, you know, the mistakes that we've made inside the car has, has been a lot less than a lot of mistakes that have been out of our control. Um, but you know, at no point have we pointed the finger at all. You know, we've just trusted in the team and, and stayed loyal. Um, it's unfortunately that hasn't really uh, paid dividends for us. But as I say, it's a, um, you know, it's a very commercialised sport nowadays, and you got to deliver and, and you know, you just got to look at the points table to see that we haven't delivered this year. And is, is there any timeline at all on a decision? Have they given you any heads up? I mean, obviously, you're not going to, I'm assuming you're not going to find out before this weekend, but, you know, it's a quick turnaround for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I think it's not something that requires a decision. You know, I think we all sort of know the facts and, um, as I say, the four drivers don't fit in the three cars, so hmm. um, I, I think it's going to be a a forever moving target throughout next season once they know how drivers are performing and um, yeah I think all of us have accepted that scenario now within the team I guess with all this going on is there uh, any element of you that's sort of looking forward to the season being over a bit and just sort of you know drawing a line in the sand under the season and moving on oh, definitely yeah. <laughs> um, okay we, we, 
you know, we'd like to finish the year on a bit of a high note. I think it was uh, something I look forward to moving forward. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there is an element of just wanting to get the season finished so we can put it behind us and uh, start from scratch again for next year. So no specific targets for, for this rally then? Just sort of maybe trying to improve a little bit on on uh, on GB and, and just try and enjoy it for, for hopefully for once this season? Yeah, like naturally, we'd normally like to come to this rally with the aim of winning it. Um, like if we can be on the podium, that'd, that'd be a dream result. But uh, yeah, also realistic that um, you know things haven't been going our way of recent, and, and there's several other drivers who are in very good form. So um, we're certainly going to give it our best shot. We're going to push hard and see what comes of it. Um, but it'll be a pretty tough ask. Hayden Padden talking to Clay Wilson. The Kiwis' blood is in the water and the Fijians are circling. New Zealand take on Fiji in tomorrow night's Rugby League quarterfinal in Wellington, with the Bati hoping to replicate Tonga's efforts in upsetting the tournament co-hosts. As Joe Porter discovered, the Fijians are bullish, with Tonga's victory breathing life into the Tier 2 nations. The Fijian fans singing to celebrate their team's latest World Cup win. If they emulate Tonga and knock off the Kiwis, the choir will be deafening. It's a great thing that our, that our island brothers in Tonga um, put in a great performance on the weekend. I think going into the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, it, it's, it's anyone's game. Tonga give a, a whole lot of hope to a, to a smaller nation. Ford Junior Rongthinga says the Bati's supporters are the world's best. A 1am landing time wasn't going to stop a horde of fans from welcoming Fiji to Wellington and Rongthinga is hoping for more of the same tomorrow night. Just to see the, the turnout for us in the Fiji community was, uh, was amazing. We're, we're hoping for, to have um, some numbers come down on the weekend, uh, make some noise and uh, bring the cover. <laughs> Rongthinga says there's a special bond between the Bati and that brotherhood was evident when the team stepped off the bus, revealing one player in a rather fetching pink dress. <laughs> What's the story behind the beautiful man in pink? The beautiful man in pink. I think I think every I think every club and every team has uh, the clan of the the clan of the week. Mika is our representative for this week. Uh, he he uh, he gladly fell asleep in video uh, yesterday afternoon. So I think it's only fair that he wear he, he wear our team colours. Who do you think pulls it off the best? I'd say I'd say, I'd say probably Alonny. Yeah. He's, he's got a he's got a half decent rig, so he he, he likes to wear those bright colours. <laughs> Team manager and league legend Petro Sivanasiva, a man who's played for Queensland, Australia and Fiji, says the Butty is unique to any squad he's been in. Something very special about um, you know being part of this Fijian Butty uh, team, and you know my first experience was in 2013 playing in the Rugby League World Cup, and uh, yeah, I love love the experience after all the years of playing for Australia. Um, you know, just that opportunity to, to represent your heritage, and it's something that I think you know obviously means a lot to the players and uh, and their families. Sivanasiva says players choosing to step away from Tier 1 nations to play for their country of heritage sends a powerful message and could be the catalyst for a power shift in rugby league. Just blown away with that commitment, that pride, the passion that the Tonga displayed and players, you know, wanting to step away from representing Tier 1 nations to, to, to go back and honour their heritage. I think that's, that's a, that sends a real powerful message and could be the start of, of, of something really big within, within rugby league. And he says it's a chance for many Fijian players to reconnect with a culture they've sorely missed. 
A lot of the boys, you know, growing up in Australia, very Australianised in, in the way, you know, they think and they talk and to, to tap into that Fijian heritage is something special. For instance, you know, we, we have a seven o'clock devotion uh, every morning. It's a prayer session and uh, and we also, you know, sing a few hymns. And I don't know if you've heard the, the Fijian boys sing, man, they, they can hold a tune. The Fijian hymn is one of the most beautiful sounds in sport and if the Bati win tomorrow night, you'll hear it from Situn to Suva. That was Joe Porter. New Zealand cricket selectors have named a squad of 12 for the first test against the West Indies next month, with a 13th to be named after New Zealand A play the Tourists in a three-day match next week. Strike bowlers Trent Bolt and Tim Southey are back, but wicketkeeper BJ Watling is under an injury cloud. Batsman Neil Broom has been dropped to the New Zealand A side that will be captained by Martin Guptill. It also includes Canterbury spinner Todd Astle, Colin Munro, and it has three seam options in Lockie Ferguson, Adam Milne and Scott Kugeline. New Zealand selector Gavin Larson told RNZ's Barry Guy that the side will be coming into the Test Series fresh but believes the Black Caps' recent tour of India will have prepared them well for the West Indies. To me, they looked as... As good, as good as they have, and, and, and the way the ball was coming out, you know, from Trent's fingers was, was I thought, brilliant. So hopefully that augurs well, uh, you know, with the red ball as well. Um, so it has been a long time between drinks, but, I, I, you know, I think these guys, they adapt quickly now between formats, and, you know, they've got some good preparation but before that uh, before that first test. So, you know, I'm sure they'll hit the, hit the ground running. So you've named 12. What type of player are you looking for for the 13th spot? Well, we're keeping our options open. Um, certainly, you know, there would be a likelihood it could be a, a, a quick bowler. And the way we've we've shaped the NZA team, we are, you know, pretty excited, actually, about seeing um, the three quicks, Ferguson, Milne and, and, and Kugeline, operating together um, against the West Indies. And we'll be keeping a close eye on them. Um, you know, big opportunities for those three to press claims and lots of white ball cricket also, as we know, this summer. So... You know, big opportunities for well for everyone, but um, you know, certainly in particular, um, you know, our quicker bowlers. Uh, Martin Guptill captaining the New Zealand A side, so he's uh, you know you're looking to him to uh, develop there and you know put pressure on the the batsmen and the Black Cap squad. Yeah, certainly. So I guess it's sort of two sides to that. One is around leadership, where Guppy's been, you know, taking a more prominent role um, in the Black Cap squad, which is which is great. You're always looking to, you know, develop your leadership group. So this is a good opportunity for Martin to to hold the reins for New Zealand A over the, over that three day game. You know, and also, um, you know, moving him into the middle order, and he's got an opportunity along uh, alongside the likes of, you know, Colin Munro and um, you know the George Workers and Neil Brooms to really um, stake his claim for a, a, a Test match middle order spot. And you know, with the quicks that you were talking about, I, what Mitchell Santner is really the only uh, uh, spinning option there. Yeah, he is at this stage. But again, we're keeping our option open. Um, you know, with that thirteenth spot, um, Todd Astle. With you know, we were disappointed for Todd because he was you know on the verge of having a, a you know a good opportunity in India, but unfortunately he um, you know he got injured and had to come home. So we've um, he's back on the park this week for Canterbury. We'll monitor Todd, but he, we've named him in that. New Zealand A team, and again, another a good chance for him. New Zealand cricket selector Gavin Larson talking to Barry Guy.
Finally, New Zealand is hosting the World Hockey League final for the first time this weekend, and the women's Black Sticks team are hoping to capitalise on the hometown advantage. The tournament, played amongst the top eight countries in the world, starts tonight. New Zealand faces world number one, the Netherlands, in their opening match. New Zealand has had success at the same tournament in the past. They finished second in 2015. But this year has been a rebuilding phase for the team after losing the experience of veterans Kayla Whitelock and Gemma Flynn. Blacksticks captain Stacey Mitchelson told RNZ's Clay Wilson, while it's been a challenging year, the team's moving in the right direction. We've done well as a new group and it's going to be interesting to see how we go against these teams because obviously everyone is building to this tournament and so although we've done reasonably well through the year, this is the real test. So I think we certainly need to step up at this tournament um, because it will be a lot more difficult in terms of um, yeah the preparation that everyone's put into this tournament. While I'm sure it's good to be at home, is it slightly strange in a way as well because you're so used to going away for these big tournaments? Um, it is a little bit strange. Like coming into, we came into camp as a team on Sunday, and it was yeah, it was strange sort of turning up to the turf with your bag and um, getting ready to go to the hotel from there. But um, yeah, certainly a lot more. Um, it's a very nice feeling, and yeah, it's certainly something that we have been looking forward to ever since we heard that World League Finals were in Auckland. Everyone was very excited about it, so it's awesome. Yeah, and the likes of yourself, Sam, some of the other senior players would. Kayla and um, Gemma and those people stepping down. Have you felt the sort of need to step up or has it just naturally happened, do you think? Um, probably a bit of both. I think um, obviously Sam Charlton and I were involved in the leadership group um, over the last couple of years, so we've definitely learned a lot from people like Kayla, um, and I think that's helped us in the transition to becoming um, the leaders in the group. Um, but yeah, it's certainly something that we also recognise that we need to take on a, a more active role given that we don't have someone like Kayla here anymore. So I think, yeah, definitely a bit of both that we've learned over time but acknowledging that we need to step up more now. Without any thinking about what's a good result for you here, obviously you want to win the thing, but what, what would constitute a, a good return, a good performance at this tournament for you? Yeah, obviously for us, you know, we want to win this tournament. Um, for us, we definitely want to be making that final. I think we definitely need to start getting used to winning semi-finals. That's something that we've struggled with in the past. So for us, um, a team goal would certainly be making the final and then obviously you give yourselves a chance from there. Um, in 2015, we came second at this tournament, so I think it's certainly um, a plausible goal for us to make that final. Um, but yeah, obviously that semi-final hurdle is something that we need to get past and learn to get past because we've certainly struggled with that in the past. Blacksticks captain Stacey Mitchelson talking to Clay Wilson. And that's extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome. You can do that via email, sport at radionz.co.nz. In the meantime, it's bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.